Welcome to Good Vibration Therapy. I'm your host, James Uberti, and if you've landed here, it's absolutely no accident and simply means you're ready to raise your vibration to be as happy and healthy as can be. The purpose of the podcast is to inspire, motivate, and educate you on the principles of achieving inner peace and better health. Today, we have a special guest in our studio, Dr. Yan Somoza. Dr. Yan is a co-host of one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Docs on the Rocks. Dr. Somoza is a clinical psychologist in Palm Springs. Prior to moving to Palm Springs, Dr. Somoza had a private practice in Beverly Hills. His practice focused on contemporary cognitive behavioral mindfulness. Dr. Somoza graduated from Dermot College with a degree in psychological and brain sciences and received his PhD from the California School of Professional Psychology. Dr. Yan, welcome. Come on in. I appreciate your time here today and taking your time from your patients in meeting with us to talk about I'm not enough or I don't have enough, yeah. right? Or that constant negative talk, that self-deprecating, self-sabotaging thoughts. In fact, I'm going to call it out and just call it a a pandemic of negative thoughts. Definitely. And you know what? You're absolutely right. That's where we were at pre-pandemic. I think there was certainly an epidemic of mental health issues, depression, anxiety primarily. Mm. And the pandemic just was the final match on that gas tank that blew it all up. And right. we're seeing increased rates of depression, increased rates of anxiety, isolation, and it's just through the roof. And I think there's lots of markers that indicate that. One, for example, as you mentioned, is the uptick in antidepressants. There's also the uptick in opioids and other mm. substance use disorders. And all of these can be correlated really closely with mental health issues. Opinion that these people are self-medicating just to, you know, dumb down or just kind of stop this noise that we're getting every single day and distract ourselves. What are the things talking to your patients about how to stop it, how to neutralize this noise? Yeah, and I like when you use noise because that's very spot on with mm. what the neurology shows us, which is there's a part of the brain which is actually spread out across the brain called the default mode network, and that's where all that noise lives. So a big part of my practice is training yourself so that you can turn down the noise. And that's primarily done through mindfulness, which is, I know, something that you practice. Another approach that I like to recommend is cognitive behavioral therapy. So if we break that down, cognitive relates to our thoughts. How do we modulate our thoughts? How do we turn down the volume mm. and balance them out in a way that's more positive, or at least neutral, not negative? And then the behavioral component there is, what are the behaviors that we can do and the habits that we can form to create more joy, to create more peace of mind. And that I know encapsulates a lot, but when you get into therapy or when you work with other practitioners as a supplement to therapy, beefing up the mindfulness, beefing up the balanced thoughts, and beefing up the healthy behaviors, I think you have a trifecta there that could start making a dent in this mental health pandemic. Right. So in your practice, you talk about cognitive or contemporary cognitive mindfulness what exactly is that, you know, contemporary meaning modern day? Right, correct. So when we talk about contemporary, psychology has been around for over a century, and it's evolved in that time. In the old days, you'd go into your psychoanalyst, you'd lay down on a couch like this, mm. and you'd just free flow all your angst. And that, to a degree, is healing, 
but they weren't really giving you specific tools like the contemporary approaches do. When they're more mindfulness-based, you can actually practice mindfulness techniques with your clinician. When they're more CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy-based, you get specific tools that you practice in vivo in the session, but then you really take them in a portable way into your life and use them on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, so talking about day-to-day -day basis for your patients, what are some of the tools that you're talking about um, employing in your practice with your patients? What do you say to do every single day to beat back these thoughts and just really have a better life? Because frankly, you know, negative thoughts create negative results and positive thoughts create positive results. Right. What are some of the day-to-day -day tools that you're utilizing for your patients? The tools that I use is called the ABC analysis. That's just for mnemonic's sake, but really it should be the ACB analysis. The A is the activating event or trigger. It could be an actual event in the environment. Maybe you read something on the news. Maybe you looked at your bank account. Maybe mm. you looked at the scale. Or maybe it's just a memory or a thought that popped up. That's the activating event. So you have to be attuned to those because those create a cascade effect into the consequences. The consequences are in the form of your thoughts and your emotions. Oh, my mm. bank account is running low. I'm a loser. I feel stressed out, etc., etc. So then you go into the beliefs, which are what are the negative beliefs that are generating those feelings? Because in psychotherapy, we try to help you make that connection between the thoughts, the self-talk, as you say, mm. and all of the negative emotions. And sometimes there's even negative physiological reactions. If you're depressed, you feel heavy, you feel weighed down. If you're anxious, you're tense, you're stressed out. So then you go into what are balanced thoughts that I could bring into this equation to help me neutralize or detoxify that negative self-talk. In the beginning with patients, what I do is in a very rote mechanical way, we'll write it down so that you get the theory down pat. But as you progress, you just start training yourself to say, hey, I'm being triggered right now. Here's that flood of thoughts. Let me slow it down and let me bring in some balanced thoughts that are not gonna let that become a runaway freight train and really get me into the problematic areas. Right, so in my podcast, I talk about the day-to-day -day things that we can do to help beat back you know, these thoughts. Yeah. Like a positive thought, for an example, if we have a thought of, like you said, my bank account, or I don't feel I have enough, or I'm not good enough, that you breathe in and use what I'm talking, rapid breathing or breath work, mm. Uh, to utilize that breath work in an I am or an affirmation, mm. right? That I am abundant because as we know, we have to turn the worm, so to speak, mm -hmm. and we have to beat back and we have to fight fire with fire. Yes. And what I mean by that is we have to use the same force because these habits, these biases have been developed on a program. And often when I'm talking to people and they tell me their story, right, because everyone has a story, um, I'm saying, look, it's not you, it's not your father, it's your program. And right. once you realize that it's a program that can just simply be rewired and reprogrammed, I think it makes the task a little bit easier to understand and work with. So this breath work is every time you have a negative thought, 
you breathe in, I am abundant, everything goes my way, and you exhale any kind of negative thought that you had in your past, stupid mistakes, because mm -hmm. we've made a ton. Sure. Right? We've learned from them. And or present current situation that's stressful, right? And exhale fear. Exhale yes. the negative thought. Over time, you're doing several different things. One, you're seeding your subconscious mm -hmm. with that positive mindset, that positive bias that I talked about in my book. And then the other thing you're doing is you're giving the body the thing that it's needed most second to food and water, which is air, oxygen. This oxygen that we are getting our bodies by doing this breath work is very essential because we're living in a constant perpetual state of fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so we're breathing shallow, right? We're breathing right. like, oh my gosh, right? The bank account, the this, the that. And so we're not breathing properly. And as a result, we're not getting proper amount of oxygen. And mm -hmm. that's actually contributing to our brain, right? Because when we don't have enough oxygen, cells don't operate very well. We get right. brain fog, so on. So this breath work, as, as I said, is very effective for beating back some of those negative thoughts. What are some other things that you utilize as tools in your practice to help? It's very aligned with what you just said. I love it because it's a biohack, but it's also a psychological hack. The mindfulness technique of an active mindfulness technique might be something like mundane task focusing. Mm -hmm. And I like that one because what that means is you don't have to add anything extra into your day. But let's say you're in the shower or brushing your teeth or doing the laundry, whatever it is, you bring in the multi-sensory experience. Just like you're bringing in the breathing, you bring in the sights and really take them in and observe them. You bring in the sounds, the feelings on your body, any changes in temperature, if there are smells, if there are tastes, because that's taking you down from that anxious part of your brain and grounding you in the body. Grounding is key, mm. like you said, with the breathing. Right. And then there's just mindfulness meditation, and people are confused because they think, oh, I've got to be like the Dalai Lama. I have to have this perfectly zen, clear mind. And that's not it. All that mindfulness means is not minding. So whatever negative thoughts come into your head, you don't push them away because that gives them more energy, repression, but you also don't pull them closer and heed them because that gives them more energy. So with equanimity, the thought comes in, I'm having this thought, I don't mind, and that actually gives you more power over that and it dissipates naturally. I love that. Yeah. So that's really helpful. So yeah. I'd like to switch gears for just a moment and talk about self-love or mm -hmm. self-compassion, yes. right? And that seems to also be a very t hot topic of interest on my podcast on people trying to overcome that negative noise that we talk about. But what, in your opinion, is self-love, self-compassion, and how do we you know, love ourselves more? Right. So it's really difficult because, as you said, we're trained, we're programmed to have this negative self-talk. The software is, as you talk about in your podcast, our arena of development where we're formulating our sense of self. Who am I in the world? Who are other people? What is the world? But then there's also the hardware of our brain where evolutionarily the people who were surviving were those who were primed for danger, those mm. who were primed for the negative. So that's our operating system there. And in order to flip the script of the negative self-talk, we have to bring in the self-compassion to realize that 
to a degree, all beings are suffering. And that gives us a sense of peace and solidarity, but that we can suffuse our thoughts and our feelings towards ourselves and others with warmth, with positivity. And that's the antidote to the self-hate. It's the self-love and self-compassion. It can be very basic, like using affirmations on a day-to-day basis, using compassionate meditation. You and I talked about an interesting study where you had groups of people do mindfulness meditation, then loving-kindness meditation, and then just a control group, so it could be a scientific study. The people who did the loving-kindness meditation, it was actually found that their telomeres, the little clocks inside of our chromosomes, were actually aging at a different rate, a better and healthier rate. Wow. So there are physiological correlates to what we're doing with our mind and with our emotions that could be helpful if practiced continuously. Right. The things that I talk about on self-love is, like you said, be mindful and instead of beating yourself up, find the littlest things. I call it microscopic gratitude. Yes, love that. The littlest things in, like, my toes are awesome, right? (laughs) My skin is awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm awesome, right? Or I'm funny or I'm beautiful. And beauty comes from within. It comes Mm -hmm. from a vibration. You have to practice this mindfulness every single day to kind of rewire and refire, reprogram a new bias, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Is it hard? Yes. Does it take work? Yes. Does it take commitment? Yes. Absolutely. But look, the subconscious is just a lazy brain (laughs) in the sense that it has a million tasks it has to run. Right. As a result, it doesn't have time to do everything at once, so it develops a program. And so after you put in the work, and I'm saying 30, 60 days of just being mindful, Mm -hmm. right? every day working on this, being committed, being obsessed about it, is in 60 days, you're gonna turn that negative bias into a positive one. It's not gonna go all away, right? But you're gonna take a lot of things off the table, right? right? And you're gonna live a happier life. You're gonna live with more inner peace and happiness and you can love yourself. Exactly, and it's like riding a ship. If you're five degrees off the mark, but you're able to get back just five degrees, that mm. little change, right. you're going to get to that golden shore. So some of the tools that I use are, the first is empowerment. To realize, like you said, we have a lot of power over our thoughts. A lot of people don't realize that. If it's just programming, well, who's the programmer? You are, or you right. could be if you owned it. The second part is, once you're in that program, analyze what's the code and Mm. we all have this negative coding i call it negative core beliefs and those are those fundamental negative beliefs we have about ourselves they're often along the lines of i'm not good enough i'm unlovable i'm a loser etc once you figure out what those are your next task is to set an intention in your mind to counteract that by fusing that with your attention and taking let's say 10 things that show you that that's not true, at least not all the time. So if it's something like, I'm unlovable, you start thinking, well, I actually had a great relationship five years ago. It's over now, but I was lovable then. And you come up with 10 things, if you can, every single day, but as long as you're practicing continuously, that's all mental, that's all internal. 
from a behavioral standpoint, you do experiments to prove to yourself that you're not unlovable. So, for example, mm -hmm. I'm going to okay. invite a couple people for coffee. And my thought is they're going to say, no way, you're a loser. And then you actually do it and you realize, okay, one said they were busy, but one said, yeah, I'll meet with you next week. So you start chipping away at those monolithic negative core beliefs in your mind, but also in your practice. Right. So I've been practicing this whole scenario and it's amazing how much of in control that we are of our lives. Right. right. And I heard a saying from someone at first, I didn't believe it. And it says, we are the director, the writer, the producer of our own movie. Yeah. Right. We don't like our script. Simply rewrite it. And Absolutely. I thought, mm, I didn't believe that at first. And then shit started showing up. And I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm not saying everything that you think about and visualize and have positive affirmations over and meditate and uh, is going to come true, but I'm saying 80%, and that's a good number, right? Yeah. If I can roll with 80%, I'm killing it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and you're tuning in to the positives. I think that's the big shift, right? right? That brain that sets our attention, that brain that is that can be a very powerful tool, is now no longer attuned just to the negative, and it, instead mm. of seeing the closed roads, you're like, hey, this is a cool detour where I could see a lot of different things that I wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And that builds upon itself. So what are some other little tricks and biohacks that we talked yeah. about that we can do to employ that help us, you know, kind of change that mindset from a negative, get us out of, you know, that thing and snap us out. Say, hey, you know, Tony Robbins uses a rubber band. Get you out of that negative state. Yep. What are some of the, the tricks and hacks that you use in your practice? Yeah, well, it's, it's funny you say that because the research actually shows that they've done studies where they put people in two groups and the people who are forced to smile actually report a better mood than those who are forced to, hmm. let's just hold a pencil in your mouth or even frown. Those people feel horrible, of course. But very basically, it's called behavioral activation. And what that is... At your level of mood, if it's low, like you're saying, the vibration is low, you have to increase that level of vibration by doing something. It doesn't have to be huge. It might just be going for a walk for 10 minutes. It might just be going to do the dishes. But it has improvements in the mm. area of affect, so your mood improves. And it has also the biological improvements, like your blood is flowing, oxygen is getting to your brain. And you may not expect your mood to go from a zero or a one to a ten, but if you go from down in the dumps to meh, you're moving in the right direction. And that yeah. can inspire more and more motivation. Right. So you mentioned walking yeah. as being a great tool. And in researching, again, walking is one of the most effective things, not only overall health, you know, it vibrates the body because if you think about it, our hunter-gatherer ancestors did what? They walked. All the right? time. Right? <laughs> um, and so what are other things that you can offer our audience that they can do right now to get them out of that depressionary state or that constant barrage of negative thoughts? Yeah, I think some of the things we've mentioned, you know, an attitude of gratitude mm. is huge. Right. It can be transformational so that we're not in a frame of reference in our mind of lacking Mm. but instead of appreciation. 
the science shows in positive psychology that humans unfortunately fall prey to what we call miswanting, which is we place a lot of value in things that don't end up having a lot of value for us in the long run. So status, money, certain physical attributes, it's actually things that are more close to home, like sharing a moment with someone you care about, smiling at someone, even talking to a stranger. These are the things where the research shows you get the most bang for your buck. And most often they're free and readily accessible. Right. So I love that. And uh, an attitude of gratitude. Yeah. Right. And practicing that microscopic gratitude. Yes. In my practice and my principles is, look, you know, get down to that granular level mm -hmm. and practice that stuff. And, and you mentioned something very powerful that most people are coming from a position of lack. Yes. Right. And when I lack things, I set a set of vibrational patterns, if you will, that sets up the subconscious and saying, okay, you lack, of course you lack. And so therefore, because as we think about all day, we become, this in my opinion is like a genie in a bottle, right? Mm -hmm. Your wish is my command, what we think about all day. And if we focus on gratitude and we focus on all the things that are in our life, you know, all the microscopic things like the carpet that keeps our feet warm in the winter and cool in the summer, microscopic things that we can really tune in on and turn up on saying, you know what, instead of me saying that I'm not enough or I don't have enough, I got a lot, right? Right. You can practice this over and over and over, and it will rewire and refire a new bias of abundance. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Because you focus from, instead of a position of lack, you're focusing from a position of, I've got it all. And when you got it all, you go into the store and you go, what do I need? Nothing, <laughs> right? Because you have everything you yeah. need. So yes, I think that's amazing. Uh, to practice that. So again, that's our time for today. Thank you so much for taking your time away from your patients and helping us and our audience learn a little bit about how to biohack and turn that pandemic of negative thoughts and negative self-deprecating behaviors into something more positive that we can reflect on minute by minute hour by hour, day for day. So thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely a pleasure. Thank yes. you for having me.